0: This is CISO Edge, the Gartner Cybersecurity Podcast. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Gartner CISO Edge Podcast. We've titled this episode, Stop Fishing Your Workforce. Uh, this podcast is dropping right as CISOs globally are gearing up to launch their Cybersecurity Awareness Month efforts. So it's just in time, because it's not too late if you start today to avoid something that we're going to argue rather lethally undermines your objective of driving secure behavior. And with me to give our global audience insight as to why phishing tests are actually antithetical to the objective of a culture of security is my great friend Andrew Walls, who has been providing expert advice on employee behavior to Gartner clients since about 2007 and well, for many more years prior to that than he'd like me to tell you, has been doing so out in the industry, creating value through cybersecurity best practices for companies around the world. Andrew, welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you very much for the opportunity to speak with your wonderful fan base.
0: We are going to tell people to stop phishing their own employees, and we're going to tell them to do other things instead. So how should we get into this conversation?
1: Well, it actually helps if we go back to when we first started using phishing simulations and take a look at why we started and what we hope to accomplish. A few decades ago, it became pretty obvious that many of our employees had no idea how to make good security decisions when email was involved. A big part of that was because for many employees, the first time they had access to email was when they got a job and we gave them an email account. Okay, Boomer, but... Let's be candid. That's not the case anymore, right? New hires these days have already gone through a stack of personal email accounts. They've been on Twitter, sorry, X. They got X handles. They got Facebook, Instagram, Minecraft, TikTok, you name it. They know what phishing is and they know how to avoid it. So what does a phishing simulation actually do for us? First and foremost, it annoys everyone. And phishing via email does not build a skill that employees can transfer to other forms of messaging, such as text messaging, video conferencing, or any other medium. And and keep in mind that the ROI, the return on investment of a phishing simulation, is reduced to zero if one employee clicks on a real phishing mail. Phishing simulations do not reduce the threat or the impact of phishing. Phishing testing isn't just bad because it's an old tactic. It's that it doesn't do the things you think it does. It's not extensible to other non-secure behaviors and it doesn't meaningfully reduce the threat of phishing.
0: All the things that you said weren't enough to convince our audience to maybe take a deep breath before launching the next phishing campaign, there are two other things that I talk about a lot with our clients that are important to consider. Gen AI and deep fakes. They're going to make fishing impossible to spot in the future, if they haven't already. That's one thing. And then the other thing, this is the thing, Andrew, that really bugs me. Fishing is just steeped in wrongness. I mean, name one other part of the company that tries to trick employees into doing the wrong thing so that it can levy some kind of punishment. Exactly. I, I would love to see what
1: happens if I were to concoct an intentionally incorrect expense report just to test the ability of my manager to detect the fraud attempt. Um, I don't think it would be well received, but that's what we do with phishing. And this is the critical point. The assumption in nearly all phishing simulations is that real phishing attacks contain visible errors and discrepancy, which a user can detect, and from those, deduce that the email is a fraud. When I can get a generative AI to produce an immaculate phishing email or a pristine deep fake phone call, there's nothing the average user will be able to detect. The bottom line is that if CISOs want to fish the workforce, fine, go ahead. But they shouldn't indulge the fantasy that it drives secure behavior. Phishing test results are great for showing results to the CIO or the CEO. All the phishing platforms generate wonderful charts and graphics showing how your organization has improved and how you compare to similar organizations. That kind of data helps win budget requests. But we should not delude ourselves that performance on a simulation is the same as reduction in actual incidents or the threat of incidents. If our faithful listeners actually want to reduce the risk of exposure that is ever present from employees having digital access to the outside world and from the outside world having digital access to employees,
0: there are three things they need to do. Ah, oh, I love a good segue. Um, and it's the right time for it. I think we've admired the heck out of the problem here. So so let's in fact talk about what we think our clients should do instead. First thing, CISO should install technology that flattens all email to text holding. I mean, sure that leaves you open to you know business email compromise, but no more clicking. We're done. Yeah?
1: Ah, uh, yes. I sometimes long for my old pine email client. That's certainly one way, but that's not one of the three things Gardner recommends, and here's why: today's employees are fully dependent on inherently non-secure technologies. We'd need a logarithmic expansion in cybersecurity technology and funding to keep up with that. Are we going to wrap everything up they do in cybersecurity with bubble wrap? Of course not. The first thing CISOs need to do is to wrap their heads around the concept of failure tolerance. What you said, Chris, about flattening the email, that's the thing you'd do if your company or agency had zero tolerance for failure. Automate or technologically bubble wrap the threat into oblivion. But zero tolerance is a vanishingly rare posture, and no CEO would fund it at scale. If companies had a zero tolerance for failure, then any fish test with a result above 0% would be caused to sack the CISO or maybe hang a few employees in the town square. But nobody does either of those things. And the average phishing rate in industry hovers around 10% of employees failing the test. Now... Employees need rich and varied digital access to the external world, and no one is going to fund perfect protection from the various nasty things lurking out there. So CISOs themselves need to have a tolerance for failure, and they need to get the company on board with that.
0: Well, that's what you were talking about before when you said that there are some things that phishing tests are good for. Um, This is one of those things. Exactly. When the board asks you, why is our phishing rate
1: not zero, you say, because the only protection we get is due care. All we need to be is in line with our peers. So when the bad thing happens and the press or the regulator asks us, were
0: you doing what reasonable companies do? You can say, yes, as a matter of fact, we were. All right, so mild amount of verbal trickery with Andrew and I, we told you not to do phishing tests and then we told you that it was (laughs) was okay. Um, But the important thing to take away Thing number one is to develop a failure tolerance. And as Andrew said, you want to develop that failure tolerance for people clicking on things they think are cat videos right up around where the due care lies, right? So in some ways, I guess phishing testing is um, a way to avoid over-investing. And most importantly, it's a way to socialize around the organization that nobody has a zero tolerance for failure. I mean, that's one thing we can do. But I think it would help if we got down to
1: brass tacks and got specific here. So if we're saying move away from training by trickery, well, there is some social engineering training that actually works. So we could talk about that. Well, earlier we brought up the issue of generative AI and deep fakes. And and that's a big deal these days. We're, We're getting a lot of requests from clients. I actually had a client saying, where could I get me some of that deep fake technology, please? Which scared me. But- we need to start training people to recognize the behavioral patterns and adhere to principles rather than trying to spot examples based on known mechanisms, such as poorly worded emails,
0: because those tells of social engineering are going away. Now, that's something I'm excited about. And when I talk with our clients about it, whether it's the CISO or the head of the awareness program, they're excited about it too. And the the lesson here is, we need to focus not on the vehicle, right? An email or a link. That's not the tell, or at least if it is, it won't be for much longer for the deep bakery. Stuff. But we need to focus on the message as the tell. What is the email trying to get you to do? Well, it's probably get you to do something that you wouldn't normally do or wouldn't normally be asked to do. Exactly. In this case, for
1: all of you uh, media studies people, this is where Marshall McLuhan got it wrong. It is not the medium, it's the message. We don't need people to be social engineering experts. We need to then to give them just enough guidance to make them a bit less gullible. We need to help our people to ignore the window dressing that surrounds the request and focus on the nature of the request itself. If the ask embedded in the message is unusual, then it should be escalated for review regardless of whether the grammar is good, bad, or ugly, if the request is weird, escalate it. It So when that deep fake voicemail that really sounds just like the CEO tells you to transfer $10 million to an account in Macau, ask yourself whether that sort of request is normal. If it isn't, don't do it. The beauty of teaching people to recognize patterns, to, to look at the request... And why this approach beats phishing tests every day and twice on Sunday is that it's extensible. Whether it's a phone call, an email, somebody grabbing you in the coffee shop, you know, if you get asked these things, something is, is if you'll forgive the word, fishy. Look for the pattern. Look for the actual request.
0: Now, look, when you say it like that, that sounds really obvious. Right. So in theory, this is something we could have always been doing, right? Because the message has, well, the message has always been the thing. What's hard about pivoting over to this kind of training? So what do our, uh, what do our faithful listeners need to watch out for?
1: Well, right off the bat, it's important to recognize that training people to, to deduce the actual request, regardless of the medium, is a whole lot harder than asking them to report an email because the sender misspelled the name of the company. This is similar to those old worth word math problems that many of us hated back in school. You know, if a boat left port at 10 o'clock, traveling at 10 kilometers per hour, and three hours later you jumped off and swam back to the port at one kilometer per hour, you know, uh, when would you drown? All right, just I just broke out in the hives. Exactly. That's, that's a hard problem because you have to deduce the actual request that's embedded in it. It takes thinking. It forces you to stop get out a piece of paper and a pencil and scribble on it and go 10 o'clock, 10 kilometers per hour, blah, 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 and figure it out. Okay, That's what we need to train our people to do. This is about acumen and analysis. It's much more akin to, say, the financial disclosure, bribery, corruption, sexual harassment training that we all receive every year. All of those training programs help us recognize the pattern of action rather than just the distractions surrounding the actions. If you think about this, this is very similar to how magic works. A magician is performing a simple task, but they use distraction so that you don't see the simple tasks they are performing and it all looks like magic. Well, security needs to take that same approach and help our people figure out what's the distraction. This is about acumen and analysis, much more akin to uh, the financial disclosure, bribery, corruption, sexual harassment training we all receive every year. All of those training programs help us recognize the pattern of action rather than focus on the distractions surrounding the actions.
0: Security needs to take the exact same approach. I love that. I love that. And though I have to admit I'm, I'm a little turned around because in, in the space of about a minute, you described one of the things I love most in the world, which is magic. And then one of the things where I have sort of 30 years of PTSD reinforced by my children now going through it, which is those word problems, hate, hate word problems. (laughs) But okay, so let me recap. Thing number two that we think you should be doing instead of relying on phishing tests to change user behavior, because they don't, the thing you can do to drive more secure behavior is to focus your social engineering training on recognizing the patterns in unusual actions, helping employees think through what is the request trying to get me to do? If I don't do that in my normal day, then I shouldn't do it. And in fact, I should not only not do it, I should report it. Okay, so that's thing two. Andrew, let's turn to the third thing we promised, which as we talked about... Well, actually, Chris, before we go on to thing three,
1: I I think it's only fair that we should warn folks that this is the one that's going to require some serious elbow grease on the part of the CISO and their leadership team. I always love being able to give folks, you know, just do it advice, like jet- jettisoning fishing in favor of pattern recognition training, because I also sometimes, but I also have to sometimes give advice that's going to be really hard
0: work. So fair warning, the next part's tough. I think if our good friend Mary Masalio were here, she would say this is the part where we tell people to eat kale in, instead of chocolate. You know,
1: I, I live in Southern California. There actually is a store down the street where I can get chocolate-covered kale chips.
0: Does that does that count? No, no, it does not count. That's the worst form of trickery. And as and as previously stale- previously stated, we are against trickery in all its forms. So no more trickery. Please proceed to introducing the the thing that is hard, uh, thing three. The hardest, the most high inertia issue we need to deal with
1: is whether we, the information leaders, the CISOs, the directors of security, can change our own behavior. Our own ability to change is the most powerful force we have to drive a successful, sustainable culture of cybersecurity. Well, I can change, talk to me. Okay. We all know the old pattern of security being surprised when the business launches some product or application, which they totally forgot to mention to the security department before they launched it. What we need is for the CEO, the CFO, a line manager, whomever, to pick up the phone the minute they get a really cool idea about how the company should improve and call the security leader. In a couple of companies I worked at, I told the CEO to just call me regardless of the time of day and tell me their cool idea. I'll take a few notes, ask a couple questions, but here's the important bit. I won't say why the idea is a disaster for security. What I will do is come back to them within 24 hours with a yes and response that shows how we can make the idea real and secure through targeted investment or reuse. This shift in attitude can have a profound impact on the managerial culture of the company. By being hyper-responsive with yes and, we change the perception of the security function.
0: I don't know, Andrew. It sounds like you're talking about magic again.
1: How are we going to scale that? Everything in a modern enterprise depends on digital technology. Everything. Everything depends on people making good decisions and taking the appropriate and effective action at the right time. Security behavior and culture management is not just about users.
0: It includes everyone in the enterprise. Does that mean that the cybersecurity team must take responsibility for talking to everyone who wants to do something to manage everyone's behavior? Well, yes and no. Individuals are responsible for their
1: own behavior, and managers are responsible for the behavior of the people under their supervision. That continues all the way up the stack to the CEO, board of directors, the minister in charge of a portfolio, or whatever. The role of the cybersecurity team is to help individuals, managers, and senior leaders recognize the security ramifications of everyday decisions, and that those ramifications can be both personal and professional. When people make bad security choices, they are putting themselves, their colleagues, the enterprise,
0: and their community at risk. All right, so this is another one of those cases where we have seen the enemy and they are us. Not us, but our predecessors, right? Because I'm sure our listeners have never been the person who said no to something the business was excited about. Someone who came before them said no, broke the business's heart, and caused them to vow, well, next time I'll be smarter, I'll not talk to the cybersecurity folks. I think what Andrew is trying to suggest here, the, the thing three of our recommendation, things to do instead of uh, relying on phishing tests to change behavior, is to change behavior by proactively digging in, building a track record of saying yes and. Because the folks who are doing all that exciting and potentially risky cyber work have this crazy perception that the people labeled cyber are going to say no. And that causes them to go forward without us. And with that, faithful listeners, we are very nearly at the end of this month's episode. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Chris, it's always a delight to speak with you. From myself, from Andrew, from all of our colleagues at Gartner, uh, best wishes to you and your teams for a productive and behavior-changing Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Just remember, as you lay out that awareness buffet for the workforce, hold the fish.
1: Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and
0: their organizations.